Amen. God does specialize in many, many different categories, specializing in grace and mercy and forgiveness. And for our purposes this morning, God specializes in giving us a little bit of direction for our life. Amen. So I'm guessing many of you might remember a book that came out, oh, it's probably about 15 years ago now, a while back, but it was very famous picked up by a lot of churches. I think I even have heard Pray Tell that this church had a a book group to study Rick Warren's Purpose Driven Life. We remember this one? The Purpose Driven Life sold more copies than pretty much any Christian book ever. I believe that's actually accurate, other than, of course, the Bible. Um, (laughs) But the Purpose Driven Life really tapped into this need that so many of us have and struggle with of wanting to know what we're supposed to do with our life. Wanting some sort of blueprint, some sort of path that we can follow so that we make sure we get it all just right. We're going to be talking a little bit about that tendency within ourselves today, the good and the bad side of it. But what I want to start off by saying is to remind you of the very first line of Rick Warren's book. Because it was 40 chapters long, and each one did contain a lot of really good spiritual wisdom. But the first line of the first chapter in that book, I think, is the best one and was worth the $20 or whatever you paid. The first line of Rick Warren's book simply read, it's not about you. It's not about you. As Christians, this is something we need to hear again and again and again and hold right in front of ourselves. It's not about you. We are going to be looking this morning at the parable of the Good Samaritan, Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 37. And I've titled this sermon, It's Not About You. Please pray with me. May the words of my lips and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions, to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. Please open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and if you would please rise as you are able for our reading of the gospel this morning. We rise in reverence and respect for the word of God being read amongst ourselves. This is Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 25. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer said to Jesus, or, and Jesus said to the lawyer, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, an outsider, while traveling, came near him. And when he saw him, he was moved with pity. 
He went to the man and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. And then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said, Take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. And so Jesus said, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the lawyer said, The one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Friends, this is the good news. It's the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay, okay. You, you know this story, right? The Good Samaritan is one of the most famous of Jesus's parables. And as a matter of fact, too, we have become so comfortable and so familiar with the Good Samaritan that it's become a part of our vocabulary. You will hear this phrase mentioned on the news from time to time, right? About the good Samaritan who stopped to help. Or you'll hear your friend tell you about that good Samaritan who let them skip in front of them in line at the grocery store because they could tell he was in a big hurry. We use this phrase so often and we've become so familiar with this idea of the good Samaritan that I think it's caused us to miss some of the deeper points of the parable itself. That's what this parable is talking about, right? We think it's talking about just being nice to someone else. That's how we use the term Good Samaritan today, right? The Good Samaritan was someone who stopped to help, someone who let you skip them in line. But is it all that Jesus is saying? Just be nice to one another? The priests and the Levite, they weren't very nice, but then along came the Good Samaritan, and he was super nice, and so clearly that's what Jesus' message is, right? Church, as you might have guessed, it's actually not quite that simple. Because here's the thing, the message of the parable is so much more than just be nice to each other. What this parable is actually asking us to do is to confront our mindset, It's asking us to consider our way of thinking, our epistemology, as fancy people might say it. So so let's start there. This parable is all about relationships. How the Levite and the priest and the Samaritan treated this beaten man. And so I want to challenge you this morning to stop and consider your mindset and the way you approach relationships. Do that with me here just for a second. Just think for yourself. When you're introduced to someone new, what's the first thought in your head? Are you nervous? Are you afraid? Are you wondering if maybe this person could become a friend or or, or someone who is of value and use to you at some point in your life? How do you interact when you meet other people? What is the mindset you bring into that situation? I won't make people stand up and share, but I want you to be considering this thought as we move along within our sermon this morning. And here's why we need to be looking carefully at how we treat other people and how we interact with other people. Because in our reading from Luke, we just heard Jesus say very clearly that the way we interact with other people is a matter of salvation. The lawyer comes to Jesus and says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? And in a roundabout way, Jesus says, you've got to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And the lawyer, upon hearing this reply, he focuses on that term neighbor. What's that mean? Who's my neighbor? 
Over the years, I think we've been a little hard on the lawyer for asking this particular question. Maybe he was just asking it so that he could trick Jesus, but maybe he was trying to talk Jesus into a corner or something like that. But also maybe we should give the lawyer some credit because this guy is looking for clarification on how it all works. If salvation and inheriting the kingdom of God are somehow related to loving our neighbor, well then, I don't know about you, but I'd want to find out exactly who my neighbors are. How can I do this just right, Jesus? That's what the lawyer is asking. I'm sure you can understand and appreciate this mindset. Isn't that what we're all looking for in one way or another? As a pastor, I get so many questions from different people who who are looking clearly for for the blueprint. What's the right way to do this, pastor? Is it okay if I do it this way but not quite that way? Help me understand those Ten Commandments so that I can get it just right. So many people are looking for the clear step-by-step path to the Christian journey of faith so that they can achieve their salvation and punch their ticket through the heavenly gates. I was made aware of this mindset the other day when I was walking through a Barnes & Noble bookstore. I I was brought back to think about the purpose-driven life and how we all ate that book up because it was giving us that blueprint we so wanted. But guess what? That feeling and that need hasn't gone anywhere. As I looked at some of the titles on the shelf in the religion section at Barnes & Noble, I realized that this is exactly what people are still after. 11 Steps to Heaven, Discover Your Purpose, How to Live Your Best Life. Titles like these littered the shelf in the religion section because that's what people want. They want to know how to get it exactly right. Just give me the plan. Give me the roadmap so that I can make sure I do it all exactly the way that I need to do. But here's the thing, church. Here's the thing. So many of these books are trying to give you some sort of easy, neatly packaged answer to your life and your faith and your salvation. But guess what? That's not the way that it works. I get it. I get it. We're all looking for the easy solution, the quick fix, right? We microwave our dinner in four minutes and we let our Amazon package arrive within 24 hours. And so why can't we figure out how Christianity works in 11 short chapters? The problem, church, is that... Many people have this mindset that everything is just supposed to be easy and clear, neat and tidy. But Jesus never said that that's the way it's going to work. You know what are also some of the most popular books at a bookstore these days? Books about Buddhism. It's true. Those are some of the best-selling books, especially within the religion section. Because Buddhism packages itself in a very neat and tidy way. Four noble truths, the eightfold path, on the surface, it all seems so clear and quick and simple. But church, this life is never clear and quick and simple. Can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) There is so much that complicates our daily life, and to think that the life of faith is going to follow some sort of neat, clear path isn't a very good mindset to bring to the situation. Sometimes you've just got to wander around in the wilderness for 40 years before you finally learn to stop making the same dumb mistakes. When that lawyer asked Jesus to explain to him how this whole neighbor thing worked, Jesus explained it like this. 
He said, imagine someone gets beat up and left for dead on the side of the road. And a priest walks by. And now a priest is the type of guy who follows all the religious rules, especially in that day. He does all of the little things that you're supposed to do to be a good religious person. He's read all the books, 11 Steps to Being a Child of Abraham and things like that. And so he knows that he can't touch this man on the side of the road. He can't touch this bleeding man because then he would become unclean. The religious rules stated at that time that if someone is bleeding, you better get out of the way and get yourself to the temple as fast as you can. And so that's what the priest did. And the Levite acted the same way. Seeing this man who was hurting and beaten, he knew that if he touched him, he would become ritually unclean. And so even though they were probably from the same neighborhood, the Levite passed by on the other side. Got to get out of the way because the religious blueprint that I'm carrying doesn't make room for me to help this hurting man. But then along comes a Samaritan. And a Samaritan's an outsider. Like like I said in this children's sermon, a Samaritan is like someone from New York City who roots for the Yankees and the Giants. Someone who should be your sworn enemy. But the Samaritan sees this man bleeding in a ditch, and he doesn't need to stop and think about the geopolitical conflicts that are between his country and this man's country. He doesn't think about the religious rules that suggest it isn't okay. His mindset is to simply see another human being who is in need. And that's good enough for him. Remember earlier when I asked you to think about your mindset when you approach relationships. I asked you to think about how you interact with people. Well, that's the heart of this parable, church. It's one of the most important things as Christians that we can pay attention to. The Levite and the priest had a mindset that when they saw this man in the ditch, they couldn't help him, but the Samaritan had a different mindset, and that made all the difference. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King explained it like this. He said, the first question that the priest asked, the first question that the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? But the good Samaritan came by and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If you're looking for a trick reformation, that's the trick. It's definitely not easy. It's not simple. But at the end of the day, it's actually quite straightforward. To follow the way of Jesus, you've got to care about the needs of others more than the needs of yourself. We have got to stop focusing on how we're going to earn our salvation and start worrying about how to bring salvation to somebody else. There are so many people out there who need to be saved, Reformation. And I don't just mean saved from their sins. I mean saved in very practical, literal ways right now. People are literally lying in a ditch waiting for someone to help them. And it's our job to stop and lend a hand. There are children in cages right now at the border who need our saving. There are friends contemplating suicide right now who need saving. There are people in this church today, this morning, who are hurting and lonely and they're hoping to find some sort of salvation. That's why they're here. And if we're too busy 
trying to get the church to go back to the way that it used to be, or too busy trying to get the church to become what we hope it can be, that we don't have time to care for the hurting people in our midst, well, then we should just shut the doors and call it a day because we're missing the point entirely. And let's get very real about all this just for a second. That's our calling as a church, to care for those who are in need, first and foremost, to be the good Samaritan again and again and again. And what I want you to make sure you understand is that this work isn't efficient. That's the hardest part about it, I think. We want it to be easy and quick to move along to the next thing. But to be a good Samaritan is never something quick and easy. The Samaritan was probably walking along that road that day, probably headed in the opposite direction. But he stopped to save that man. He brought him to a nearby town and made sure everything was perfectly set up so that this man would be taken care of. And do you know what? That Samaritan was probably two days late for the meeting he was trying to go to. But that's the way of faith, Reformation. It isn't always efficient. The church is not a place that moves and changes quickly because the church needs to constantly be concerned with caring for the needs of the people. We as Christians and we as church need to stop asking ourselves again and again and again, what will happen to them or what will happen to me? We need to instead ask ourselves, what will happen to them if I don't help? We can't just care about our own self-preservation. It's just about, it's not just about what we want. In a world that's filled with so many needs, we as the church have to constantly be thinking about the other people and what's best for them. Because after all, isn't that exactly what Jesus does for us? Jesus was never trying to make sure that he did all the steps exactly right so that he could get his certificate of recognition at the end of the day. Jesus was never trying to turn the synagogue into the type of synagogue where he really wanted to go for worship. Jesus was never in such a rush to get to the next town that he ignored the people who were in front of him along the way. No, no, he would stop. Jesus was passing through a crowd and someone touched his cloak and so he stopped to see this hurting woman, to love this hurting woman, to save that hurting woman right in that moment. This is the mindset that we are called to have, church. We're here this morning because Jesus never focused on himself. He never said, well, what's going to happen to me? Even though he knew quite well what was going to happen to him. No, 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 no. Jesus looked at the needs of humanity. He looked at the pain and the sorrow and the suffering in the world. And he said, what's going to happen to all of them if I don't do anything? What's going to happen to this world if I don't give my life for their sake? Church, Jesus has already provided us salvation. And he did it so that we could be free to bring salvation to those in this world that need it right now. You don't have to earn your way to heaven. You don't have to perfectly follow some book's seven steps to a simpler Christian lifestyle. The thing that Jesus is calling you to do is to just stop focusing on yourself. Jesus has already given his life so that you can truly live. And his only instruction is simply 
Go and do likewise. Amen.